0: Welcome to another edition of the Flathead Beacon Podcast. I'm your host, Micah Drew, and I'm reporting from the beautiful Flathead Valley. It's Wednesday, December 1st. Today is a special episode of the Flathead Beacon Podcast. Several weeks ago, I sat down with founding Beacon member and former managing editor Myers Reese to talk about his departure from the paper and his next career move to Portland, Oregon. I intended to release that interview as a bonus episode over the holidays, but, well, it was a holiday weekend, so you get the episode today instead. Before we get to that farewell chat with Myers, a quick reminder that this episode of the Flathead Beacon podcast is made possible in part by members of the Flathead Beacon Editors Club. Members support all of our journalism in all of its forms, in print, online, and here in the podcast studio, and they do for as little as $5 per month members get some extra perks, too. So if you want to find out more or join today, visit beaconeditorsclub.com. And now for the last time on the podcast, here's Myers-Reese. All right, for the final time, can you introduce yourself for the podcast? Yep, I'm Myers-Reese,
1: former managing editor of Flathead Beacon and Flathead Living Magazine. (laughs)
0: Well, Myers, it's been a long time that you've been at The Beacon, pretty much your only job since you graduated college. Let's start at the very beginning. Talk to us about your very first interaction with editor Kellen Brown and how you came on board with The Beacon.
1: Yeah, so I had—I was 22. I had just finished up college, and that was actually an, an exchange program in Argentina through U of M. So I came from Argentina, and in Kellen's retelling of the story... Over the years, it's, it's grown into he saved me from the jungle. I don't, I don't have the heart to tell him that I was living in a, in a city with skysc- skyscrapers and <laughs> no jungle, but, um, so I was just really not quite knowing what I was doing. Just got back sort of, sort of couch surfing, basically split my time between Missoula and buddy's houses and uh, in Livingston where I'm from and got a call from Kellen who I didn't know. <laughs> but he, um, I guess he was, he'd been hired to start a new publication, hired by Maury Povich to start the Flathead Beacon. And he was trying to build a team and he'd um, heard about me and gave me a call. And he was in Bozeman at the time because he was the city editor of the Bozeman Chronicle. I was in Livingston. I was like, yeah, why not? And so we, we met at a, at a bar or restaurant for brunch and Kellen it, and started things off by getting me a bloody Mary and get himself a bloody Mary. So I, I was already liking the direction we were going. <laughs> and then he, he basically laid it out. Um, it was a lot to digest at first. He was like, Maury Povich, Connie Chung, what? <laughs> but it sounded, I mean, it sounded really exciting. Um, you know, startup, no guarantee of, I mean, if it's going to be around in a year or what, but, um, it, it sounded like something I, I really wanted to dive into. So next thing I know, I'm in Missoula at the New West offices. And New West was a former digital publication that Maury invested in. And, um, it was, it only ran for a few years, but it was a really high quality publication, um, during its short tenure. And Jonathan Weber, who was the editor. Maury had hired him, I guess, as a consultant to, to help start the beacon. So I went to the, their offices and basically did some practice stories. I would just show up and I wouldn't know what I was going to do. And they would just give me a story and I would have to sit there in front of all of them <laughs> and make calls. A little, uh, a little intimidating. Apparently I passed the test. So I, I did get the job and I believe I was. Kellen's first hire, or right there along with, right right there along with Dan Testa and Lido Vizzuti, and I was the youngest of the bunch, twenty two. Kellen and Lido and Dan were the wise elders at twenty seven, and then um, we had Stephen Templeton, our original designer, and then you know Bob Hunt, um, was in sales, and Bob Hunt was with with the Beacon until really just this last year. And, yeah, we just uh, moved up to the Flathead, um, built our desks, like IKEA desks that I believe are still in use in some capacity. So, literally building a company from scratch, from the ground. And, yeah, just set about the the challenging business of starting a paper in a community that none of us were from. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, we were all, you know, either Montana natives or... Um, they'd lived in Montana for a while, so it's, it's not like it's completely foreign, but still, you, you know, if you haven't lived in a community, to be expected to to cover them and write stories about that community, you know, it's it's a little challenging at first. I think we had, we probably had some story ideas that we pursued that maybe weren't great, <laughs> but, you know, we we had some that really were too, and it was trial and error. And we figured it out as we went, and I mean, we we worked long hours. We were doing pretty much, you know, six seven days a week, late nights because everything, you know, everything took longer. We we're mm-hmm. still figuring out our way, and yeah, that was that was the earliest years. We brought on Carrie Ann Lynch, and now you know, fourteen years later, we've uh, <laughs> grown considerably and. You know it's all kind of rooted in those those pretty early you know inauspicious days of a bunch of young folks getting together and just honestly just trying their hardest, but all good journalists young and you know putting in the hours and just kind of you know nurturing the paper over
0: over the course of years. Do you remember the first time when in your mind? Maybe the switch kind of flipped from like, oh, this is a first job out of college; it's a startup. We don't know if it'll work. To like, oh, this is this is my career now, and this is going somewhere, and it's actually working the way we expect, like hoped it would.
1: Not really. I mean, I guess like this is might sound strange to some people, but like because I just liked everyone mm-hmm. so much, and you know, Kellen was my friend, you know, Dan, Carrie Anne, everyone. Lido, they were my friends, like pretty much right out of the gates. I just felt like, Hey, this is, this is where I belong, you know? Um, and I'm still young enough that maybe I didn't have that long range vision yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really just showing up each day and kind of, you know, wide eyed and embracing each day as it came. But I certainly from day one, didn't feel like I wanted to be anywhere else. And that, that really didn't change for, you know, 14 years and still was very, very sad departing, you know, it was a combination of family and life circumstances and another opportunity, but but I love the beacon as much now as I did 14 years ago, I guess more, (laughs) very proud of what we've accomplished and.
0: Well, you had one other hiccup in your Beacon tenure. You left very briefly and then returned very quickly. Talk to us about that and uh what that decision was like.
1: Right. So I, I technically did leave the Beacon <laughs> for three years. I just barely count it because I was still here in Kalispell. I was doing freelance. Mm-hmm. But a big part of my freelance was the magazine, Flighthead Living. So I, you know, it's not like those, that connection was Fully lost at any point. Um, still doing a lot for the magazine. Coming in, seeing everyone in the office. Mm-hmm. So yes, technically I was not a a staff Beacon reporter for a three year period. I guess that was 2013 to 2016. And during that time, you know, I I wrote for a lot of different publications. A lot of fly fishing writing, kind of mm-hmm. all the all the main fly fishing magazines you see on the stands and um yeah i did I did a lot of fun things, and I-, I think I grew in a different way as a writer during that time. but when Kellen and I started chatting about maybe coming back and you know stepping more into like the editor position i I was ready and i I felt ready to join the team again and kind of be be in the office seeing seeing everyone's faces at the beacon and mm-hmm. um it felt like the right time, and that was two thousand sixteen.
0: Well, with a mostly continuous 14 years, you've covered basically every aspect of the Flathead Valley. Are there any particular stories uh, you've worked on or, or beats you've covered or big events that stand out to you over that time?
1: Man, that is a hard <laughs> one. I mean, you've only I, I, I was a actually few trying things. to think the other day like how many stories <laughs> I've written for the Beacon. And I'd, I guess maybe thousands, you know. I, I really, you know, especially some of those Early years, it wouldn't be uncommon for me to write, you know, six, seven stories. And you add that up over 14 years or whatever. Yeah. But one thing I did love about, about my, just kind of how I fit into the Beacon was I, I really moved around quite a bit. Hmm. And that gave me just a lot of different vantage points of both my profession and the community. I did sports like you're doing now. Mm-hmm. Did that in the beginning. I loved it. You know, got to know the schools, got to know a lot of the figures in that community. But then I also did business. And then, you know, over the years, I've done Whitefish City Council, state politics, you know, outdoor environmental writing, arts. I mean, <laughs> pretty much, you know, front to back. And that's, you know, you, you don't get that opportunity in a lot of papers. You know, you're a little more pigeonholed, not everywhere, but often under like a daily. Mm-hmm. You know, there's sort of a wall between like the sports department and the, the regular newsroom. And, you know, here we n- encourage people to spread their wings and, you know, always look for versatile reporters. You know, I think that keeps the job fresh and exciting. You know, you, you really get to challenge yourself. I mean, just really chase what you find interesting a little bit more than Maybe you can at some other publications. So I know that's not answering like <laughs> specific stories, but like gives you a feel for why maybe it's hard to even yeah. pinpoint a specific story. You know, um, I do know I've always loved profile writing, like writing about a person mm-hmm. and that, you know, I've, I've got, I've really gotten to know some super interesting and very cool people in, in Northwest Montana over the years do you know, profile writing you get to hang out with them for a little bit. You really kind of dig into their life. So, you know, I, I've I feel like in our position, we really we get to know the community in in a, a pretty nuanced way. Mm-hmm. And you know, that, that's I guess that's been that's really been a pleasure for me over the years.
0: Well, then let's shift to what you're going into now. You'll be moving to Portland, Oregon, in a few weeks. You've already started your job with underscore. Talk to us about the job and what this uh, publication do we call it a publication? Yeah online we call it publication yeah,
1: yeah it's all, all online, all digital. Um, it, it's a nonprofit news organization mm-hmm. which that model, that nonprofit model is is really it, it's taking off, especially in recent years. Um, the best example, and I guess the closest comparison underscore in Montana, is the Montana Free Press. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, pretty pretty similar model. You know, it's you can kind of think of it for a lot of people. A, a good reference point is like NPR or public broadcasting. It's it's public a public service model mm-hmm. relies on foundations and donors, including you know, direct directly from readers. And so underscore is based in Portland. Um, it's an offshoot of investigate West, which uh, is a kind of a tried and true established nonprofit model that editors and reporters from the Seattle post Intelligence Center started in two thousand and nine and so underscore is an offshoot of that and basically our focus at underscore is underreported issues in the West and with a specific focus on Native American issues mm-hmm. and Um, So, you know, there's an emphasis on hiring indigenous writers and staff and then covering those issues in, you know, maybe a more thorough way than a a lot of mainstream outlets are maybe even capable of Mm because that's their focus. And, you know, similar to Montana Free Press, it relies a lot on partnerships. It does a lot of, you know, partnering with other publications on a series a project and then also just relies on other publications picking up its content to distribute it mm. so the oregonian which is the biggest daily in in oregon picks up a, a lot of it i can't say all of underscores work okay. but a lot of it you know, just on a regular basis you know it's um, underscores partner with propublica and then also, you know, smaller, like weekly papers in Oregon. So kind of a wide range.
0: Mm-hmm. You're obviously excited about the job and you've kind of dove right in, which is fun for us to kind of watch. For all of the people who have been reading you and, and known you for so long, how can they keep up to date with the work you're doing and your underscore career now?
1: Well, so right now you won't see my byline anywhere, but I, I will. I do intend to write Mm -hmm. You know, as I kind of get settled in, I'm the managing editor. So I'm I'm doing a lot of the behind the scenes management stuff right now. But, you know, you can see the work that we're publishing as a team at underscore dot news. And um, most likely I will actually be rejoining Twitter after like (laughs) a six year hiatus. (laughs) So at some point you'll be able to find me there probably. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, underscore dot news is, you know,
0: that's the site and that's where we're going. All right. Well, we'll link that and uh, perhaps your Twitter, depending on when that gets up (laughs) in the show notes so people can follow along. But Myers, thank you. It's been an an honor working for you. It's been great uh, having you in this newsroom and and leading us all. So we're looking forward to following your venture and appreciate everything you've done. Well, thank
1: you. I mean, it's hard to overstate how important the Beacon's been in, in my life you know, professionally and, and personally. And, you know, it's, it's because of people like you, Kellen, Maggie, Tristan, Hunter, you know, the whole crew, you know, we just, it's a, it's kind of a special atmosphere and special culture here. Like, you know, there's, it's a tight-knit team and everyone is kind of friends and, you know, it's, it's a pretty unique, cool environment. And I know that's just going to keep going. And the quality of journalism, I mean, it's, It still just keeps getting better and better, which that's already a high bar. And I think
0: Beacon continues to clear that bar. All of the information about how to follow along Myers's next career journey and how to support underscore will be linked in the show notes below. Now, here are the biggest stories from the last seven days as of 10 p.m. Tuesday, November 30th. The Secretary of the Interior announced back in November that she was ordering the department to systematically remove any place names containing the word squaw that appear in federal databases, adding the S-word to a list of derogatory terms that have been removed from the nation's nomenclature. Former Montana legislator Carol Juno introduced a similar law in Montana back in 1999, which led to a decades-long process of ridding the state of names with the S-word. While the completion of that effort was celebrated in 2009, two places never finished moving through the lengthy bureaucratic process of being renamed, and both are in Flathead County. A breakdown in communication coupled with the retirement of the state's geographic names advisor led to a proposal submitted by the Confederated Salish and Kootenai Tribes to name Left Hand Meadows and Left Hand Creek remained in limbo for years. Now that federal attention has returned to the issue, members of the CSKT and the former State Geographic Names Advisor have both expressed interest in finishing up the process. Across the state, Montana's general hunting season wrapped up on November 28th with a slight increase in the overall big game harvested in northwest Montana, despite unseasonably warm conditions that turned downright balmy over this last weekend. According to preliminary results, the four check stations in northwest Montana recorded 9,624 hunters who harvested 940 whitetail deer, including 700 bucks, as well as 90 mule deer and 44 elk. The percentage of hunters with game at the four check stations was just over 11%, compared to 8.5% in 2019. A couple things I want to highlight quickly before signing off today. The cover story in this week's issue of the Flathead Beacon is a profile of Olympic skiing silver medalist Hillary Lind, who has taken over as Flathead Valley Ski Education Foundation's head coach and program director. This piece, written by my colleague Maggie Dresser, is also a featured article in the winter issue of Flathead Living Magazine, which ships from the printer this week. Barring a shipping delay like the one we saw with the fall issue, it should be on stands next week. The next episode of the Flathead Beacon podcast, which will air on December 7th, will feature an interview with Justin Franz, a former Beacon staff writer and the new editor of Flathead Living Magazine. In addition, I am currently finishing up work on the fall edition of our Best of Preps coverage, which is one of the most enjoyable issues to work on because it allows us to take a multi-page spread dedicated to some of the Valley's top athletes and let our photographer and design team flex their muscles. This time around, we're doing something a little funky, so be sure to grab next week's issue of The Beacon. That's all I have for you this week. This episode of the Flathead Beacon podcast was hosted, edited, mixed, and produced by me, Micah Drew. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.